morning, everybody. Look at your email and rocks and cry day. And welcome to the first news agenda of 2023. Woo! With me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's Deputy Political Editor, Ben Glaze. Good morning, Ben. Happy New Year. Morning. Happy New Year. Lovely to see you again. How's your email inbox? Uh, well, I've been working for the past weeks. Oh. And I'm one of those weird people who has to clear their inbox. I've never got more than like 10 unread emails at any one point. That's not clear. That's still got 10 unread. Well, it's that's I, I can cope with that. <laughs> now, there may be a new year, but nothing's changed around here. This is the People's Pay-Per-View. So get into the comments. Ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast will just have to self-medicate at home instead. So what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on the ghosts of Christmas past with a front page picture of the last five Tory prime ministers. Oh, God, I don't want to see any of them again. Who it believes are responsible for today's crisis in the NHS. Now, this comes as the current Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, makes a major speech today, setting out his priorities for the next year. And it will follow Health Secretary Steve Barclay yesterday claiming that the problems in the NHS were down to COVID, flu and strep A. Hmm. Now, Ben, that implies, if Steve Barclay's right, that implies that A, it's normal for this time of year, B, it'll all be over by April when those bugs go away. And C, of course, it doesn't require any more money to deal with. Now, is Rishi going to agree with him when he gets up and starts speaking later? Yeah, I think um, the Prime Minister will say that, you know, seasonal illnesses are certainly exacerbating the problems in the NHS. Uh, Steve Barkley, yes, as you said, blame COVID, blame strep A, blame flu. Now, part of that is true. We mustn't like to say it's all not, not the case because there is a slight resurgence in COVID. But then if you look at the stats, there's more strep A than there has been in recent years, and certainly a lot more flu. And part of the reason that is, we're mixing more, there are no lockdown restrictions, and we weren't exposed to these illnesses over the past uh, past three years, past, yeah, past three years, and we're now, we're now catching them. So we hadn't built up immunity. That said, when you look at the statistics, there were two and a half million people on NHS waiting lists in 2010. That's now up to 7.2 million. So that meant there were still two and a half million people waiting then. Um, problems have certainly got worse, but the, the lack of funding, I'm just looking through some of the, uh, the stats in here. Um, the Health Foundation analysis shows average day-to-day health spending in the UK between 2010 and 2019 was £3,005 per person. That's 18% below the average of the 14 original EU countries which stood at £3,655. So there is a lack of money going in, which the government would say, oh, we're always putting more and more in. But the fact is, it's never enough, is it? Particularly not when two-thirds of the NHS bill is its staffing costs, and there are still 133,000 vacancies in the NHS. Exactly. And when you've got a lot of vacancies, actually staffing costs more because you have to spend more on retention, you have to spend more on recruitment, you have to spend more on getting people from overseas who cost more to recruit than people in this country, blah, 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 blah. It actually costs more to run something down than it and does to run it. The, the staff who are working, because of, there's not enough staff, the ones who are working are under more pressure, therefore they're more likely to you know, catch illnesses, go off sick with stress, be burnt out, that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Now, Copite Mark, uh, who appears to be a Liverpool supporter, uh, just a thought, if the Tories start to privatise the NHS before they're booted out, could Labour reverse it? Uh, yes, in theory, any government can reverse what the previous governments have done. However, um, the process of starting to privatise, 
who knows when you could say that began? Did it begin under Margaret Thatcher in the 80s when Ken Clark introduced the internal market? Did it begin or, or carry on under Labour, under Blair and Brown when they have private finance initiatives that just loaded hospitals with debt? Is it actually not actually started yet and we're still yet to see it? There are private companies providing healthcare now. They were paid billions during the pandemic to clear waiting lists. And look what Ben just told us. Did it make any difference? Billions went to private healthcare during the pandemic uh, uh, to do the non, non-urgent stuff. And it just, they had no, got no reason to do it well because the contracts didn't say you only get paid if the waiting list come down. They just say you got paid per, per bit. So, you know, who knows? Uh, and it was, it was whether or not Labour could fix it, I suppose, without having any further private finance involved in the whole process. But get into the que- comments. Ask us your questions. What do you think about the state of the NHS? Is it all down to the Tories, as the front page of the Mirror claims? Or is there other stuff going on? Is it really COVID and flu and we get through this period and it will all be OK? Let us know. Now, elsewhere, oh, sorry, inside on pages four and five is a good explanation, if to my mind, of why Steve Barclay is a prat. Who must think we're all prats? Now, the main story across the top there about the NHS being unsafe, that quotes numerous medical specialists pointing out why it's the Tories' fault. But there may be some among our viewers who think that's just typical mirror lefty politics blaming the Tories. So I will direct you instead to that down page story, What's Killing Our NHS Along the, along the Bottom Across the Fold, which explains in analytical detail how the NHS funding, for example, used to be about 4% increase a year to keep up with demographic and scientific changes, and actually went down to 1% under Cameron. How the real terms wage cuts have led to people leaving the workplace, which means one in 10 NHS jobs are empty, and that while numerous governments of all sorts since the 1970s, have tried to cut the number of hospital beds to give more care in the community. Since 2010, funding for that care has been slashed. So not much use. Now, Ben, despite all these facts, uh, they are some people will still say it's still a matter of politics with the NHS. And I suspect from the briefings we've had and his New Year's message, ridiculously upbeat New Year's message, that Rishi's speech today will be a bit like the government of Boris Johnson, lots of insistence that all is well, things will be better, some unfunded promises, perhaps re-announcements, absolutely diddly squat of real impact. Do you have any idea what he's going to be saying? Well, as privileged journalists in the uh, parliamentary lobby, we get a trail of um, every politician when they do a big speech. Uh, the night before, we, we usually um, get some embargoed words, which we can put on the internet at half past ten, but can carry in today's papers setting out what they are expected to say. Now, of course, if there's a 4,000-word speech, we might get 300 words of that, and that is what the government or Labour who are ever making the speech chooses to give you in advance to try and set out what they're going to say. And now you would think with the various crises, not just the NHS crisis, but obviously there's you know, the migrant crisis with 46,000 people coming across the channel last year. There's various public sector strikes, including not being able to get to work, hence why I'm doing this from home today, because I can't get into the office because of the rail strikes. Instead, Rishi Sunak, according to the uh, the words we had from Downing Street last night, he's going to talk about maths, maths, mathematics, and how he wants children in England to study maths until they're 18. Now, I have to be honest, as someone who hated maths at school, I really, I really did mm. hate it. it sounds when awful. I could ditch maths was a happy, happy day. Yeah, I, like, I could not wait not wait to finish doing maths. I had to have a tutor as well. 
every morning, every Saturday morning for his, I think it was three hours on a Saturday morning just so I could get a C at GCSE math. It was awful. Oh, God. Well, I, when I was at school a thousand years ago, they changed it so you had to do maths until GCSE. And that actually meant by the time you got to GCSE, you're doing actually quite advanced maths. There's there's a lot of, you know, I stuff in there which you don't don't use in daily life. Put it that way. Um, and it was a bit painful for people like us, whose whose natural skill is words and not not numbers, um, to having to do it for another two years into A level. I had some friends who did A level maths, and do you know what? That they, they never spoke a normal language as far as I was concerned. They were Rain Man. To the rest of us, it would to, to have to do that level of maths that long. I think I think it's a bit excessive. So we'll have to see, I suppose, what Rishi's going to talk about exactly. But you know, maths, double maths is is not going to light anyone's fire. I suspect, unless Rain Man is actually listening. Um, now we do have some comments about the NHS. Uh, now Mike says Rishi says we may not really want people rishi sorry may not really want people to be better educated in maths or they'll figure out that when inflation is 10 percent more than 10 percent a five percent deal is a pay cut of course and if he talks about maths mike he's going to get asked some fairly basic questions about how on earth you're going to find forty-seven thousand nurses when you and when you're cutting things by real terms here or how you're going to find more warships when you're cutting defense in real terms and so on and so forth so, yes, uh, unfortunately, some of the journalists who are there will have done maths, some of them even to A-level standards, maybe even with a private tutor like Mr. Privilege Ben over there um, and uh, may actually know, be able to do some sums while they're stood there on their, on their feet, especially if they've got a notepad in front of them. Um, keep asking us your questions. What do you think about uh, double maths? What do you think about having to do maths a bit longer? Is that going to make a huge difference to your life? Will it mean, as Rishi seems to want, that we all go into a life and a career in finance and be, being in city bankers? Because that's the only way to happiness and success. Now, Mike says, I wouldn't worry. I'm a maths geek. This policy will not happen. There is a crisis in maths teaching already. They'll never get the extra maths teachers they need. He wants a distraction from all the other crises. Hopefully, Ben, there'll be someone who's done some sums about the number of maths teachers. Um, and the number of maths teachers required and be able to point that out to Rishi later on, won't they? Because this is this is some, one of the first times he's facing like a, a lot of journalists all at once to, to in a big press conference asking a lot of questions. That's right. This is his first big set piece speech as Prime Minister. Um, this this number 10, this Downing Street under Rishi Sunak, it's tried to sort of calm things down, quiet things down, you know, there's 49 days of chaos on the Liz Trust and various people are wearing hard hats and going in high vids to buildings, so that sort of thing. Not seen Rishi Sunak do that deliberately. Um, they just wanted wanted to let things play out and sort of take the sting, draw the sting out of politics. And to a certain extent, that has worked. But it has meant he's not done um, more than, I think he did one press conference when he was on a, a foreign trip, but he's not done a, a huge press conference where you get... 10 journalist questions, perhaps, whether he'll take that many today, I don't know. Um, but when he does this speech, he, you know, he will have to take questions from journalists. There is a plan for a Q&A afterwards, as much as he might like to talk about maths. And there may be, I've done God knows how many of these press conferences with Q&As afterwards. You do have token questions thrown in about the policy that the prime minister or the leader, whoever wants to talk about. But then we move on to the issues of the day, which will be rail strikes, which will be NHS crisis, which will be channel migrant crisis. You know, Richard Sunak won't have it on his own terms. And you get you to get some bizarre... I remember when Theresa May was um, Prime Minister, 
and she went to the um, uh, wetlands, London Wetlands Centre in southwest London, and she made quite a very interesting speech, actually, about climate change and environment, which all anyone wanted to talk about was her future and Brexit. And it was quite embarrassing. I don't think it was one single question on the environment. You felt quite sorry for it because it was a genuinely important issue, but it wasn't what people were talking about. And, um, you know, she rather stoically took all the questions, answered as much as a prime minister ever answers a question, answered them. And then afterwards, the aides were just like, no one's asked about climate change. It's a massive issue. <laughs> you know? Poor guys. <laughs> Who'd want to work in government? Uh, not us, that's for sure. Um, now, elsewhere in the paper, it reports that the unions want to settle many of their numerous pay disputes. Uh, and it's the government not coming to the table, not the other way around. And it also says elsewhere that the Britain is set to have the worst economy out of developed nations uh, with a slower and shallower recovery that many people link to Brexit, according to a survey of leading economists. So Rishi's got a lot to do. He's got a lot on his plate, Ben. And he's got a lot to promise in that speech today. Is he going to, he can't, can he? What a stupid question. Is he going to be able to offer a fix for it? He can't. There's no way he can fix all that in one speech. No, there isn't. Um, and he's not a great speech maker as well. During the Tory leadership hustings over the summer, the one that Liz Truss won, um, and obviously we've ended up with Rishi Sunak's problem. Well, when Liz Truss seemed like the best bet. <laughs> oh, just, he, he wasn't great at making speeches. It's, it's not something that comes that naturally to him. Um, he's actually better when he's when he's doing off-the-cuff stuff, weirdly. Um, but, he, yeah, he's not, he's not a great orator. Uh, and he won't have all the answers today, which is perhaps why he wants to talk about maths most of all, because it's something he actually does feel passionate about. Because, remember, he's an investment banker. <laughs> you know, he worked for Goldman Sachs. Um, and he's very highly educated, Winchester College, and the best education is money can buy. Um, and yeah, if he wants to talk about maths, well, great, he can talk about maths, but that isn't going to be what the questions are about. And, you know, this is, this is the New Year launch as well. It's quite a, a stereotype that prime ministers and leaders of the opposition do this. We've got a speech by Keir Starmer coming up tomorrow, um, also in London. They will set out what, you know, what they want to, to be talking about for the, the months and the year ahead. Well, it doesn't pan out like that, you know. I mean, look what's happened in 2022, where everything was thrown into flux on um, February 24th and Russia invaded Ukraine. So whatever speeches prime ministers may have made in the early days of January then, or leads of the opposition in the days of January then, well, that was all blown off course pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, events, dear boy. Events take over all politics, don't they? Now, keep asking your questions. Uh, what do you think Rishi should be promising to fix all these problems? Should they be getting around the table to negotiate? Um, now, it, at the moment, there's a new poll out overnight, which shows that Labour is on 47 points. Uh, the Tories are on 27. So promising things that they might do after the next election, uh, which he probably won't win. Yeah, not necessarily that great. He's probably going to get a rough ride later on. But uh, on our second story of the day, on page 21, it reports that one in three teachers quit inside five years of qualifying. Now, Scottish teachers are already going out on strike. English teachers are currently balloting for a strike. And that's not people who teach English. It's people who are in England and teaching are balloting for a strike. Now, the government is being urged to negotiate before the ballot closes on January the 13th, a mere nine days away. But in typical fashion, the government seems to be taking the same line it has in everything else and refusing to talk to the unions, insisting all is well and that it is spending an extra £2 billion on schools this year, uh, uh, next year, sorry, and the year after. 
Now, we've seen that's not worked with any of the other industrial disputes they've got on their desks, Ben. Is it going to work with schools where people do actually do maths? <laughs> Probably not, no. Um, yeah, like I said, the ballot for um, industrial action closes a week uh, in a week, or a week Friday, and I'd expect that the unions will um, back industrial action. And in a few weeks or months, we'll be facing strikes um, from teachers. Uh, some of the stats in this piece about the number of newly qualified teachers who leave the profession within five years, they're really startling, actually. I just want to pull some of them out. Um, 116,532 new teachers have begun the career in the last five years. But of that 116,500, only 90,000 are still in the classroom. So that's 26,443 who qualified in the last five years, went into teaching and then left. So they're not enjoying the experience quite clearly. And, I, you know, I can imagine that. I, yeah, I wouldn't want to be a teacher, but lots of people do. You know, it's one of those the worthiest professions that people can go into. But clearly, some people are going into it and, and hating it and leaving quite quickly. Now, part of the reason for that might be the pay. Certainly when the rubber hits the road and they realise what they're getting paid and what they're having to deal with in classrooms and how their hands are tied on certain issues, then, yeah, they're obviously realising it's not for them. And, of course, yeah. a lot of these people who've gone through teacher training, of course, there's a big investment in them. So it's not great all round. No, exactly. It's not something people go into lightly, usually. It's not something people just go on a whim and they go, oh, I didn't like it, I'm going to do something else. You've got to go through a fair bit of effort. You've got to have degree qualifications and so on and so forth. You've got to invest some money and some time in it. Um, and it says in the piece here that one in eight quit in the first year. One in four quit within three years and one in two are planning to go in the next five. So that's half of all teachers going to stuff this. I'm out. I'm going to go and have a massive career in investment banking instead, uh, <clears throat> which Rishi would presumably support. So there has to be a way of getting some more teachers in schools. There has to be a way of keeping those teachers happier when they're there and perhaps not teaching in buildings like the one at my daughter's school, which has a hole so big that you can put your fist through to the outside. Uh, which is not uh, very good and doesn't involve, you know, how many schools are like that? How many schools have got leaking or collapsing roofs? There was a piece in Private Eye this week, Ben, about um, public buildings that were built between 1950 and 1980. They used a particular kind of concrete roof support, which was popular at the time. So it's in hospitals, it's in public buildings, it's in schools, it's in libraries, uh, and it's crud and it's all rotting and so ceilings and roofs are collapsing all over the country because they use this stuff and that requires a massive nationwide building program to fix sounds cheap sounds cheap sounds easy doesn't it uh, but it also requires someone to actually grasp it and see that there's a problem and that it's not just an nhs problem or an education problem it's it's nationwide it's the entire public sector it needs a new roof literally put a new roof on everything and fix half these problems. Anyway, we'll have to see how any of that works out, won't we? Uh, but January the 13th, the closure of that ballot, and then no doubt perhaps some more strike action if they can get over uh, the required level. What is the level they're supposed to get for strikes, Ben? Uh, it's 40% of a 50% turnout. Okay. Don't quote me on that. I haven't got the figures on top of my head. They've got, a, they've got, to, hit a cert, they've got to hit a certain mandate before they're there. allowed to do it. Um, and then we're going to have teachers, posties, physiotherapists, nurses. <sighs> who else isn't on strike? Uh, who knows? Whereas uh, a journalist did strike, of course, and got their pay rise. So 
not in a position to complain. Uh, so uh, keep asking us your questions and comments. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Anne-Marie says, education needs to be put back into the hands of the experts, the teachers. That's what they've claimed to do for years, Anne-Marie, uh, with grant-maintained schools and then um, what are they called now? Academy. Uh, and goodness knows what else. And it actually means that teachers are doing more of the bureaucracy as far as I can tell. So uh, they're not really doing so much teaching as they were. We'll have to find out how it all pans out in the next couple of weeks as 2023 turns into, well, just a continuation of 2022, really. So we'll have to see how that goes. But first off, uh, thank you for your questions, everybody. But first, before we go, we have got some good news. We've found some for you. It's on Ben's favourite topic. And here it is. Now, human beings do lots of... It's a shame that this is on that particular page with um, a wife accused of murdering her husband. Uh, but human beings do lots of silly things around New Year's. This year was no exception when one couple decided to climb England's highest mountain on January the 1st and got lost when it became dark. This is a story that's on the top left of that page, all right? It's not about the, the couple who were involved in a murder. It's the top left, that little story. So a couple climbed Scarfell Pike, got a bit lost, and... Um, and anyway, nine volunteers from Keswick Mountain Rescue Team searched Scarfell Pike for four hours without success until Isla the rescue dog, who we have a photograph of, there she is, uh, bolted off without warning in the pitch black, look at that, bless her, and led them to a gully where the couple were found and one of them had suffered a panic attack uh, as they tried to find their way back. So without Isla, they'd still be stuck there. Ben, is this proof that dogs really are a man's best friend? Because you'd never get a cat doing this, would you? You wouldn't get a cat doing this, no. Um, and uh, I, I, Can you imagine I, a cat going off to a gully and going, it's all right, everyone, I've found them, I've rescued them. They'd just curl up and have a sleep, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. No, this dog does appear to be a useful dog, which are the ones that I like, the ones that I like. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Isla, who I'm reliably informed is a, a colleague cross, uh, seems to have done a great job here in um, finding this couple. Um, and it, normally when we do couples rescued or people rescued off mountainsides in the dark. They're silly people who've gone in flip-flops and shorts and a T-shirt and have taken a mobile phone that's got 10% battery, etc. The mountain rescue team are keen to stress that was not the case with this couple. They had actually gone equipped, but, you know, they got lost on the way down, which I suppose can happen to anyone. And, yeah, the, the experts, the mountain rescue team, hadn't been able to find them. And then Isla the dog darts off and finds them um, in this steep gully. So fair play to Isla the dog, who... It doesn't, it can't go quite as far as to say she saved this couple's lives, but quite possibly she did. Well, if they found them the next day or something, they'd have had a lot of exposure, yeah. uh, hypothermia and be pretty ill. So Isla has definitely uh, earned her biscuits that particular day. And like I say, if there was a cat who worked for, well, Keswick Mountain Rescue don't have a cat on the team for a very good reason, I suspect, which is that if you said, quick, uh, Felix, there's a, there's a couple lost in on Scarfield Pike. What do we do? Felix would go, well, I'm not leaving the fire. Uh, and just curl up and say the silly idiots what they're doing out there anyway this time of year um so that's why cats are rubbish and dogs are the best as we have often said on this show and we'll continue saying as long as i run it right um thank you everybody for your questions and taking part uh well done everyone for turning out at nine o'clock on the 4th of january i know lots of people aren't back at work or school until later this week or next week but uh we decided to start 
early because we had a long time off over Christmas. Uh, so we shall have to see how it all goes in the next year. But we'll be back next Monday for another edition of the News Agenda Explained with another guest because Ben will no doubt have to have a bit of a break from coming on this show. Uh, one of our regulars. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. If you're listening on podcast, please leave us a review so other people can find us. And we will see you all again on Monday for another edition of the News Agenda Explained. Bye bye. Thank you.